Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Father. Father, you're a good God. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this privilege once again. We just want to thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Lord, there was a perpetual sacrifice, O oh Lord, that was supposed to be offered. The morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. It was a statute forever through all the generations is what you told you, your children Israel, O oh Lord. That it has to be continually offered. A morning and evening sacrifice. Signifying the sacrifice of your son. That it was a perpetual sacrifice. But Lord, in the new covenant you said, Lord, that you through your blood, you put your blood not on temple made with hands, but in the most holy place in the heavens. And you have purchased salvation once and for all. And you have perfected us once and for all. Through the body and the blood and the sacrifice of your son. And we come under that blood this morning. We come under that blood. And Lord, I pray, Father, that Lord, even as we now sit at your feet, we pray, Father, that Lord, you would speak to our hearts. Anoint us. Anoint us, O Lord. And speak to us. Prepare us, strengthen us, comfort us, edify us. Father, and prepare us, O Lord, for the days ahead. To that end, I pray that you would bless the meditation of today's teaching. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. Last night we heard that everything that happens, I mean, there is a spiritual connotation to everything. There is a spiritual uh, aspect to everything. One of the things that I was look, I was thinking about, you know, even as Pastor James was sharing yesterday, I was thinking about how many of us really, really are awake spiritually. There's a verse, if you turn, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 29, verses 8 to 10, if you will. Isaiah chapter 29, verses 8 to 10. You're there? Okay. Isaiah chapter 10, uh, chapter 29 verses 8 to 10. It says, it shall be as when a hungry man dreams and looks, he eats, but he awakes and his soul is still empty. Hmm. Or as when a thirsty man dreams and look, he drinks, but he awakes and indeed he is faint and is still, and his soul still craves. So the multitude of all the nations shall be who fight against Mount Zion. Now here this is a powerful, powerful, powerful prophecy by Isaiah. He says, those who fight against Mount Zion. Mount Zion, of course, stands for the church and of course, the presence of God. Verse 8. It says, it will be like people who are craving for food and they dream. <laughs> and in their dream, they, they, felt, they feel as if they have eaten. But when they wake up, they are still empty. They are hungry. And then... They feel thirsty and in the dream they feel as if they've, they've uh, drunk uh, of the water, but when they, when the reality strikes, they're still thirsty. That's exactly what it is. People are living in a dream world, but in, in reality, whatever they're consuming from this world is making them thirsty and, and, and hungry. Let's move on to verse nine. Why? Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with 
intoxicating drink. And then it says, you just go back, verse 8, verse 9, just look at this. It says, pause and wonder. Pause and wonder. Everybody, he says, take it easy. Pause, wonder. Think about it. Let's next verse, verse 10. This is, for the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of what? Deep sleep. And has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, they are called the seers, and covered your heads, namely the seers. That's what has happened. There's a, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of blindness has taken over the church primarily and because of that, the world. You see, we are, whether you like it or not, we are the eyes of the world. That's exactly what God told Israel, that you are supposed to be the light to all the nations around you. That all the nations should, should look up to you and that is where real, real spiritual wisdom and knowledge and understanding should be emanating from you as God's people. But what has happened? The Lord has poured, poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. They're not able to see, they're not able to hear. So this morning we need to ask ourselves, Lord, am I, am I under the influence of the spirit of slumber? <laughs> Let's turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5 and let, let's read from verses 5 to 11. How do I know? Let's read from verse 5 to 11. First Thessalonians chapter 5, reading from verses 5 to 11. It says, but concerning 5, to, oh, sorry, 1 to 11, not 5 to 11, uh, 1 to 11. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. Okay. But concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you. I mean, this is remarkable, okay? This is the first letter chronologically that the Apostle Paul has written. And he says, concerning the times and seasons, Kronos and the Kairos, I don't have to write to you. You guys are well aware. And he says, why should I do, why, why, why don't I, uh, why, why, why is there no need for me to write to you? He gives us a re- reason. He says, for you yourselves, no perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. You have an awareness. You are awake spiritually. You are prepared knowing that the day, the day of the Lord will come to you as a thief in the night. Move on. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. That's what we've been exhorted all these years. All these days. This is not the end. The, the end will come when we are not prepared. Then we are not awake spiritually. And it says, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. And then he says, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Verse 5, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. (laughs) We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Verse 6. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. You see, faith, hope and love Always come together. We'll look at the look at uh, look at that later on. For God did not appoint us to wrath, 
but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. That's exactly what we're doing, right? Comforting and edifying. So this morning, I want to ask ourselves this first question. Can Apostle Paul be confident about us? If he were writing to us. I don't have to write to you brothers because you yourself perfectly know that that day does not come as a, what? As a thief. Are you perfectly aware that that day does not come as a thief in the night? Are we really a set of people who are prepared? Is the question that we need to ask ourselves. Prepared people. So how do we know that we are prepared? That we are aware? He says, that that day will come upon us as a thief. That means we are always ready. So how, so let us look at a few few parameters as to how we can evaluate ourselves whether we are spiritually prepared or not. Let us first turn to one verse. It's a, turn to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15. Revelation chapter 16. Actually, you can read from verse uh, 13, uh, 13 onwards, Sam. 13 to 15, if you don't mind. Revelation chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Oh, this is remarkable. <laughs> we know about frogs. Frogs are unclean spirits, okay? Out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. See, this unclean spirits, which are frogs, that's essentially what people are enjoying these days. They enjoy unclean spirits. We are like Pharaoh. When, when, uh, when uh, the, the frogs come and, uh, I mean, when the plague of the frogs comes to Egypt, um, the soothsayers also come. The magicians of the Pharaoh also come. What all, what do they do? They make more frogs. I mean, that's interesting. They were supposed to alleviate them from the from the from the frogs, but they create more frogs. And then Moses asks uh, uh, asks Pharaoh. So you, okay, you you want to be delivered from this? And he says, when when do you want it to be delivered? When do you want to be delivered from? Tomorrow. That means let me enjoy one more one more night with this unclean spirits. Okay, but let's, let's move on. Let's move on. We are not discussing about that. We we under, we studied it long time back. Verse fourteen and fifteen now. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And then verse fifteen. Behold, what I am coming as a thief. And then he says, blessed is he who watches, keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Who is that day? Day is God with all his angels, with all his saints. So what is the first thing he says? Blessed are those people who are watchful. How are the, how is he qualifying watchfulness in this particular verse? He says, the person who keeps his what? Garments. So the question I want to ask ourselves as a church, whether I am aware of my spiritual nakedness or not, or am I completely ignorant to my spiritual condition? You see, this is one of the most dangerous, uh, what do you say, um, signs of these last days. Many people not aware of their spiritual nakedness. So many absolutely unaware of what 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 this true spiritual condition is. I mean, 
of course god is not talking to the outside world he's talking to the church and we are preparing ourselves as a church and the only thing is that people should come and become a part of the church we are the entire bible is aimed toward the church and we need to ask ourselves this question am i aware whether i am really clothed or not is there anything in my life that i will be ashamed of when god comes and jesus comes question and therefore god forewarns us and there's one church found in the book of Revelation chapter 3, let's read from verses 14 to 22. We looked at this several times, but let us look at, we'll look at it once more. Okay. Look at what it says. Revelation chapter 3, 3, 3 verses 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right. So here we, we know very, very clearly that here the people are in charge. It is not the pastor who is in charge here. These things says the Amen and the faithful and true witness. This is a remarkable introduction of God to this church. He says, I am the faithful and the true witness. When I look at you, I want to be faithful to you. You know? See, God is faithful to us means when he's faithful, he will say, you know, it says, blessed are the wounds of a faithful friend. Sorry, than the kisses of the enemy. Okay. Wounds of a faithful friend are Better than the kisses of the enemy. And he says, I'm a faithful friend. Faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, which is the firstborn. We looked at that last time. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. First thing he says, you're lukewarm. I could wish either you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And then he says, look, let's move on. Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are what? Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You are not aware of your true spiritual condition. Is it possible that we as a church have lost sensitivity to our true spiritual condition? Conviction is gone, and Jesus is not no longer inside, he is outside. Look at the next verse. Behold, I counsel you to buy from me gold, Refined in the fire, that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed when I come. You see how he's talking about, he says, you see, I'm, I'm coming and I'm, when I'm looking at you, boss, you're still not prepared. And you're, in, and you're completely oblivious to your true spiritual condition. Let that not be the case, my dear brothers and sisters. You see, that is the reason why we need people on the outside to tell and speak to us what the true spiritual condition is. You see, that is the reason why we need the church. We need brothers and sisters. Close proximity, who know who whom we truly are, at least to a certain extent. We need spouses who will, who will tell the truth about ourselves. We need friends who will tell and speak to us. See, I see this in you. Otherwise, We'll be caught unawares. What, what we will have is a form of godliness, but we have no power. We have left Jerusalem. And we are on the way to Jericho. And thank God for the mercy of God that he, be, that he sends thieves and beats us up before we reach Jericho. So that we can understand our true, true spiritual condition. That we are truly naked. That our garments have been gone. The first thing, you see, what the first thing the thief takes is what? His garments. Do you know? 
That's exactly what happens in Luke's gospel. You don't have to turn there, uh, chapter 10. When he leaves Jericho, the, the protection of God, and he goes out, the first thing that happens to him, the thief comes and steals his garments. And what happens? He's naked now. Absolutely naked. And a good thing that the Samaritan comes and tells and speaks to him about his true spiritual condition. The first thing, do we have something that we should be ashamed of before God? Are we aware? Let us, you know, I'm sure all of us are aware (laughs) about certain things in our lives that only you also know. Inside of you, conviction of the Holy Spirit has been coming over and over and over and over and over and over again, but you are just postponing and postponing and postponing and, and putting it away for a later day and saying, no, God says today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. First thing, therefore, he comes in a thief in the hour. If you are, if you are prepared, you are aware of your true spiritual condition. Second, how do I know that I'm uh, prepared for his coming. Turn to Revelation chapter 3 again. As we said, we are only looking at the church, right? Look at, let us go to Revelation chapter 3, verses 1, uh, one onwards. Again, 1 to 6. I'm going to read from verse, actually, 1 to 6. Yeah, 1 to 6. The angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Remarkable thing. See, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Okay. To make himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is stayed upon him. And he says the seven spirits, uh, in the, in another part of the book of Revelation talks about seven spirits being the seven eyes. That God is perfect when he looks at you, he looks at it, looks at you in all directions and sees whether you are completely clothed or not. And he says, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven star, seven stars. And he says, I know your works. That you have a reputation. Oh wow, that's a remarkable thing. A name that you are alive, but you are what? Dead. Look at that. Let's move on. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God will come to that. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. You see that? And you will not know whatever I will come upon you. You see, this is exactly what he's, he was, he's saying. You guys in the book of, in, 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 in the church of Sardis, you are worried about our reputation. That is the reason why Jesus says, you Pharisees, you are the people who justify yourselves before men, but deep down inside, you are full of dead men's bones and, and all kinds of uncleanness. You are like a whitewashed tomb. And we call it eighth wonder. Taj Mahal kya hai? It is a marble tomb. And what do we have inside? Bones. It's all camouflaged and beauty. It's, that's exactly so many. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, we're not looking at uh, any church, a particular pointing at any particular church. This, we are just looking at our own selves. When God looks at us, does he say, you have a reputation that you are alive. There's so much of apparent activity, but deep down inside there's absolute spiritual deadness and you're not watchful. And why is he calling, what is he, how is he qualifying spiritual deadness? He's saying, I have not found your works, what? Complete or perfect before me. You see, I am the one who compl- who says this is perfect and this is not. That is what he told Abraham. He says, walk thou 
before me and be thou perfect is what other other translations will use. I mean, KJV uses the word, walk thou before me. I am the one. You, is, I, I like that word. No, uh, Abel, uh, Abel was praying. He was saying, Lord, uh, if you said, if we as a people humble ourselves, okay, repent, turn from our wicked, seek your face. You know what? What an amazing verse. You know what seeking your face means? I want to live before your face, Lord. It means I want to seek your favor. You want to live before my face? Meaning I want to be able to look into your eyes. And when I look into your eyes and when you look into my eyes, there's absolutely nothing between us. That nothing that is hindering our relationship. It's absolutely transparent on you. You, can, you look at me and you say, Vijay, perfect, blameless. Yesterday's all your sins you've You have repented of it as like we keep exhorting you from the pulpit, keeping short accounts with God and you have you kept your conscience sensitive and, and you're looking to complete and finish the work God has entrusted into your life. You're just not looking at outward appearances. You're looking at the inward reality. Works are not complete. In, in other words, this pastor in Sardis begins and he never finishes whatever, whatever God started in his life. Or maybe really God didn't start anything in his life. Therefore, it is not being completed. You start so many things without asking from God and you're expecting God, please finish it. God says, I will complete what I have started. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I have started something in your life and therefore I will bring it to so it's, it's, it's logical and complete, complete uh, completion. But the point here is, do we really, really, really know that what, what we have started in our lives is started by God? Or now we have started in, in our flesh and honestly so many men of God, sorry to say that it's a fact that they have started and now they're struggling and God says, this is not what I want you to do. And they're saying, Lord, it's like beating a dead animal. God says, I'm not in it. It's not complete before me. It's dead. First thing is, you're worried about a reputation. You're only worried about a reputation. But deep down inside, there's a spiritual reality. You know what? This is what we call as deception. You know, there's a powerful verse in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. Let's show you that verse, okay? So when you read it in a first glance, a primary glance, you will not know the uh, real meaning, when, but you, when you understand word by word, it's very interesting. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. We'll come back to Revelation chapter 3 again. Proverbs <laughs> Let's read it. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. Look at it, he says, what does it mean? A lazy fellow will buy chicken and put it on the, what is that? On the cooking, uh, on the cooking flat and he never cooks it or doesn't roast it. That's a, that's a tersh, that's a primary. I mean, you, when you look at it from the outside. But when I actually started going word by word, no, I'm some, somehow I, I am a guy who wants to look at it word by word, no? And I wanted to see what is this fellow lazy, what does this word lazy mean? It is used interestingly at another point in another place in the Bible. And I want to show you which place. I want you to guess which, which that place is when I read through those verses. Okay. Turn to Psalms 32 verses 1 to 2. Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2. And I want you to, I want you to, I want you to guess which word is rendered as 
lazy, which is rendered, which is equal to lazy here. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now tell me, <laughs> take a calculated guess as to which word in all these adjectives and yeah, adjectives uh, is deceit. You guys are brilliant kids. Okay, I think I have the best of the flock here. <laughs> deceit is the word for lazy. Now let's go back, go back to Proverbs chapter 12 verse 27 and replace lazy with deceit. A deceitful man does not roast what he took in hunting, meaning there is rawness in your life, but you have covered it with deception. You have a reputation that you are a very hardworking hunter, but deep down inside there is deadness and decay. Like yesterday, Passover was talking about the Passover lamb. It, sh- it should not, it should be roasted, not boiled, not kept, it e- not even eaten raw. That means, this is the rawness he's talking about, he was, he was comparing it to, to legalism and uh, boiling is talking about raw, uh, watering down the gospel. Both are deception. You have a reputation that you're a powerful hunter, but you know what God is saying? You, are incomplete before me. And he's telling the pastor in Sartre's boss, don't you see the deadness in your life? You have a reputation. All that you're looking for is reputation, but you're not concerned about your reputation before me. John's Gospel chapter 5, verse 43. (sighs) If I'm right. Sorry. Yeah. 43 and 40, uh, for, sorry, uh, oh sorry, I'm, where am I looking from? This is chapter 5, right? Uh, I'm looking at chapter 9, excuse me. <sighs> Verse 43 and 44, sorry. 43 and 44. Yeah, it's there. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And he says, how can you believe who receive honor from one one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the it's remarkable, the only God. You see, unless and until we seek honor from the only God, And we are seeking honor from every other God. That becomes our righteousness. For example, if we are seeking honor from our reputation in the world, that is our God. If you, I mean, how do we seek honor by by, by seeking for reputation? We seek honor by getting, let's say, for example, finding a career. Career is our reputation. Education could be our reputation. Money could be our reputation. You know? You know, whenever we, when we in, in university, we, we call ourselves, I studied in, uh, we, I did a PhD, my PhD from a university called IIIT, you know. We call ourselves a research university. What is that? Research university. So what is research university? We encourage our students, don't to take, don't, please don't uh, sell your soul. 
to menial software jobs. Oh, you might be getting uh, one crore pay package from from uh, Facebook or Google or Twitter. That's exactly what they get these days. And you know what he what he says? Don't what we tell our encourage our students. Don't sell your souls to Google and uh, and 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 uh, uh, what is that? Facebook and all these big big companies which give you a hefty pay pack. Contribute to the research community. We may not be paying you. One crore, we may be paying you 5,000 rupees a month. <laughs> or maybe as a lecturer, I got a little more than that. I don't want to diminish how much I got. <laughs> but I was not, see, I was, I, I, I would, I would look down upon the software people. I said, you sell, you fellas, you did your engineering and you sold yourself to Google. Look at me. I cannot be bought. I'm contributing to the research community. Nonsense. See, both are a reputation. One has a reputation among people who are interested in money. One has a reputation on people who are interested in research. Knowledge. That is the, that is the God. What is our God? Peer group. Our peers should say, Baba Vijay, your research is cutting edge. Oh, citations from Carnegie Mellon. John Hopkins, you know, one of our, one of our professors who came from, uh, from IIT Delhi, okay, was a mechanical engineering professor, and he said, you know, Vijay, my research paper, 100 citation was from a professor from John Hopkins University in the, in uh, the guy who was working in DNA analysis. Reputation! Among peer groups. That is, that is a God! See, that is what God is saying. If you're seeking for reputation from any other people, that is your God, that is your righteousness. That is what gives you completeness. But unfortunately, you are dead. You are not complete before me. You are not perfect before me. Have you seen people running after reputation? And unfortunately, the worst thing that can happen to you if you are running after reputation is getting a reputation. That is the worst thing. You are running after reputation and if you get a reputation, that is the worst thing that can happen to you. You know why? Because you will be justified in your trajectory. You will be justified in your path. You will not truly know your true spiritual condition. And he says, how can you believe if you are seeking honor from one another, but you are not seeking honor that, that comes from the only God. That is the reason that the first commandment in the ten commandments is what? Thou shalt have I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Thou shalt have no other gods. No, he's, he's saying, you know what? You think that your reputation in the world has saved you from sin? No. Can working in a research laboratory save you from sin? Not at all. Can becoming the de- best doctor and uh, saving lives of millions of people save you from sin? Not at all. It only has given you a reputation before men. Can becoming the best businessman and become the most successful businessman on the world can save you from sin? Not at all. It has only called, give you a reputation that you are a very smart businessman. And therefore he tells Israel, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. I, from the house of bondage, I brought you out. I redeemed you with my own blood. Your firstborn should have died, but my firstborn has died. For your sake, don't ever forget that. That is the reason why 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 will say, look at what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. 
but of him. You are where? In Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He has become our righteousness now. How can you believe? Running after reputation. I'm telling you, this is a huge stumbling block for all of us. You know, even if you're trying to find a reputation even in our own church for that matter. It's very hard to do that. <laughs> very, very difficult. We'll make it difficult for you for sure. Because we've ourselves we don't want. If there is anything in our lives, we will confess openly and honestly. Because we know, ultimately we have to give an account to Him. His eyes matter. We want to seek His face. Is He your your righteousness? Is He your redemption? Some people seek other gods, their wives are their God. Sorry, your wife cannot save you. That is the reason why, you know, keeps on exhorting Israel. Israel, Israel, when you go to this land which I am giving you, don't get tempted to worship their gods. How did these people worship their god? What were the gods that they worshipped? We also want to become like them. See, their gods put them in 400 years of slavery and their iniquity increased. And I in my mercy has allowed that to happen. That is the reason why the sent, because a sentence of against an evil person is not passed immediately, men's art is what? Set towards evil. And God is giving us warning, even as we are in this, the midst of this incredible epidemic that is, that is literally engulfing this planet. God is telling us, reminding us, what is your reputation? Who is your God? Who is your only God? That matters. And He is telling Sadis, Sadis, did you forget your God? Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, first. Are you there? Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should? What? Obey, not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as among among you as crucified. This only I want you to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the workings of the Lord, by hearing of faith? The next one, verse, verse 3. Very, very interesting verse. Verse 3. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you trying to be made perfect in the flesh now? Are you going to go back to those weak and beggarly elements, the, the elementary principles of this world, what to eat, what to drink, what to put on? It has that become your focus now? Or are you perfect before me? Read the book of Galatians, you'll see that. So first, he says, are you aware of your true spiritual condition? That is what he tells the Laodicean church. You're naked, you don't even realize that. And unfortunately, I'm not even there inside. I'm outside. Second, he tells the saddest church, he says, you don't know, your, your, your ways are not perfect before my eyes. I have not found your works perfect before me. That means you have a reputation, but deep down inside, in that reputation you have covered yourself. See, that is the reason we turn to Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, Casting down arguments, you know, uh, you have KJV? K- 
Can you put KJV, please? Second Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 in KJV. I like that. I, I like it in KJV. It's very nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself uh, to the knowledge of God and every thought bringing into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ and being ready to... Uh, uh, where is it? Uh, casting on pretenses is there? Is there? Is there it in your? Is there in your? Pre- every pretense? NIV says that every pretense. I'm not sure because there's a pretense too. You're pretending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, this which translation is this? NIV. Look at what it says. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. Every deception, every pretending is deception. I can pretend very nicely that I'm a great husband. But who knows the reality? You know, constant admonition from my wife is, 10% of your message, if you start applying, it will be great. convert kar diya to acha rahega see I, I, I'm, I'm, this is true actually it's true no sometimes we are we preach more than we actually are truly in reality if that's the honest truth about so many of so many of us but that does not mean that we are going to stop from preaching because that is where we want to go if you have to wait till we preach what we want to practice we what we are practicing we should be like jesus we are moving towards that okay we want to be like that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge. You see, pretension, you know what it does? It opposes the knowledge of God. Pretension opposes the knowledge of God. And what has happened? You have fortified yourself with pretense so that God is not able to get through to you. <laughs> That's the problem. That's exactly what happened to David, no? Committed the entire act with Bathsheba, now he wants to fortify himself with pretension. So what does he do? He calls Uriah. Go. What does Uriah means? Yahweh is my light. Bah! Who is he? Hittite. A Gentile is going to teach you, righteous Jew. Yahweh is my, I will not go. The Ark of the Covenant, my, jo, my, my master Joab, and all my brothers are intense. How can I go home? More righteous. He's trying to fortify himself with pretension. But God will not have it because his acts were not perfect before God. And God in his mercy sends a prophet. You can't fortify yourselves with pretensions, my dear brothers and sisters. What are you pretending with? A reputation? Sorry, that is not your God. That is the reason why we have that Psalm 24, right? Oh Lord, we cast down all other idols because every idol is a pretension. See, why do you think people run after his career? Why? Simply because the career will justify their life. How can I justify my existence if I don't get the gold medal? That means what gold medal justifies you? Remember, uh, what's his name? Chariots of fire? Chariots of God? Uh, what's his name? Eric Little. Eric Little. 
He said, Baba, Sabbath is Sabbath. So they, they were interviewing. I have 10 seconds in my life to justify my existence. If I don't win the gold medal, my existence is gone. You know what he says? I care two hoots to the gold medal. Even if I cannot participate, my God comes first. Reputation is not important for me. I could have an incredible talent. What a waste of your talent, Vijay. But my talent is not my justification. My achievements are not my justification. The size of my congregation is not my justification. How faithful I am, we'll come to that, is my justification. First, understand. Understand God is coming like a thief in the night. Therefore, ask yourself, are you naked before him? Are you covered? Second, ask yourself, when God comes and sees, does he see perfection? Does he see completion? Does he see a perseverance towards completion? That is the reason why he says, press on towards perfection. What does that If you don't press on towards completion, you know what happens? We will come to a point where we will be satisfied with the status quo. And that status quo will be our justification. <laughs> you see what I am talking about? The viewers ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I've come thus far, but God is saying, if any man draws back, my soul will not have pleasure in him. If you are stagnant, my dear brothers and sisters, you're only going back. Spiritually. Spiritually, you're going back. You have to press on. This is an upward climb. Come up and be here is the call. The spirit and the bride say, come. And when the, when John was in the spirit, the angel says, come up and I'm going to show you. There's always an upward movement in the spiritual realm, not downwards. There is nothing called stagnation at all. You're pressing on towards perfection. You're exercising your body, spiritual senses in other words, so that you can understand the deeper things of God and you're moving on and moving on and moving on. If you are not moving ahead, you're drawing back. There's no other place in the middle. Third thing, turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 onwards. <sighs> 42 onwards. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Let's move on. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Let me tell you something. Master is coming. There is a, there is an investment that master has given into your life. Okay? There is an investment. What we call is the spirit. His spirit is the investment. He is what we call as the earnest of his inheritance. He's given his, his spirit, the earnest of his inheritance. And he says, guard it with all of your heart. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't allow anything of this world to break into those defenses that I have set for you. Turn to uh, Genesis chapter 1. Verse I'll tell you the verse. <sighs> verse 28. Be fruitful. First thing. How do you bless him? What did God bless him with? Be fruitful. Okay? Fruitful matlab? Fruitful is essentially bear the fruit of the spirit. Okay? Multiply. What does that mean? Create more spiritual offspring. Fill the earth. Okay. Don't make them 
your disciples, but fill the church with the offspring that God has bring, has brought forth through you. And finally, subdue and have dominion. What is that? That means don't let spiritual, I mean, sorry, fleshly desires defeat you. But whatever God has given you, guard them, have dominion and reign over them. Or the fish, birds, etc. So this is basically what, 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 uh, what, uh, uh, what blessing is. The, the first word blessing has got five connotations in Telugu. It's very interesting. Okay. It says, be fruitful. Abhivruddhi. You know what Abhivruddhi is? Grow. Vistarinch. Multiply. I mean Vistarinch means expand. Okay. Nindinch. Fill. Loparichuko. That means have dominion. That's a very interesting thing. What does Loparichuko means? Don't become, what do you say? Don't succumb to any desires of the flesh. It says, God blessed Isaac and he became so blessed that he became, became more blessed. More, I mean, you want to show that? Turn to, uh, you know, you know which, which verse I'm talking about, right? Turn to uh, Genesis chapter 26, if I'm right. Genesis chapter 26. 26 or 27? 26 and verse 13. Okay, somebody read verse 13. Yeah, 26, 13. Look at what it says. 36. Genesis chapter 26 verse 7. The man, Isaac, began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That is Isaac. That is our destiny. That we will prosper. We will continue prospering spiritually and we become very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and of herds and great number of servants. So the Okay, so look at this. We will prosper until the time the world becomes envious of us. It is because of envy they put Jesus to the... How does? How do we know that the world envies us? Because they begin to persecute us. We become so spiritually prosperous that the world looks at us and says there is only one option with these fellows. Crucify them. Are we looking at prosperity? But what happened to this guy? What happened to his prosperity? One weakness in his flesh. What is that? For that food, if you want to, you want to get Isaac's blessing, you have to feed him. He is no respecter of persons. As far as his blessing is concerned. Whether you are firstborn or secondborn. You want my blessing, feed my belly. What a state! What a state! See? He, have all this, but one thing he didn't have, dominion. And therefore he was broken into. Think about it, my dear brothers and sisters. God, you know, God loves to prosper us. I mean, he wants to prosper us both ways. But the thing is that, you know, I love when Zachman and made a very fantastic statement. He says, the greatest difficulty with God is, to bless one man spiritually or physically and to keep him humble at the same time. <laughs> Very difficult. That he could not be broken into. That you will have, that he will not sell his spiritual blessings for stupid things in this world. 
like Esau. Will sell away his birthright. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 24, verses 43 now. Onwards. Excuse me. But know this, okay, know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. That's exactly what we were exhorted yesterday. Be always, let let your, okay, all your, you pull up your, uh, this thing, with your staff in your hand, and be ready to leave Egypt in haste. In haste. Therefore also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. You think about it, no? Many of the things in your life when you were prepared for, it didn't happen to you. That's what, that's what, that's what I told. Uh, I tell a lot of people, if you do not want rain to come, carry an umbrella. That day the rain will not come because you were prepared. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, okay? Uh, uh, something funny happened. I was going to the Tuesday Bible study and it was rainy season. I just looked at the clouds and I said, okay, it's not going to rain. So I was on my bike, zooming nicely. And then um, suddenly I came to that Balanagar circle. I just take that uh, left towards of Fatihanagar thing, right? And just before I took the turning, it started to rain. I said, shucks, man. And then I, my eyes just went to that store next door. It was selling raincoats. So I went and I parked my bike and I bought the raincoat. And the moment I put on the raincoat, I started biking again. After five minutes, rain stopped. <laughs> a very funny incident. But <laughs> no, but the thing is that be prepared. You know, whenever you're prepared for a quiz, that day your professor will not give you a quiz. Did you hear that? You are right, you are right. Everybody knows it. Are these fellows are prepared, I will not give. I am waiting for these fellows. When they are not prepared, then I will give. That is all evil professors. Okay. But God is not an evil professor. Okay. He wants us before time. I am sending you rain. I am sending you a test. Test is coming. Test is coming. Test. I don't know when. I also don't know. My, the problem is that. Only my father knows. The angels also don't know. He's not... He's preparing. Be prepared all the time. Be prepared all the time. Look at that. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not. You least expect Him. That is when He goes going to come, my dear brothers and sisters. That means everything will be so normal. You'll be so engrossed in what you're doing. But hopefully what you're doing is what God wants you to do. That is what we should be doing. I'm doing what God wants me to do. That is the reason why Paul says, absent in the body, present with the Lord. What confidence. You know why? Because I'm doing what he wants me. I'm engrossed. What do I have? Morning, I get up, I pray, I read the word. Only thing I'm thinking about, church, 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 church. My sin, church, perfection. What should I do for the church? Where should I go for the ministry? What is engrossing me is the work of God. I'm engrossed in the work of God. It's like I'm solving, I'm doing my mathematics every day. Cut, 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 cut. 100 problems a day. That's what I told Abigail. 100 problems a day every now. Oh, daddy, please, daddy. 100 problems a day. Nonsense. That's what my dad told me. No, 100 problems a day. So I'm also telling my dad, my, my child. Come on. <laughs> 100, 100 problems a day. See that? That means, I, I tell Abigail, you should be prepared for anything. Anything. If I give you the question in what 
whatever format you should be able to decode it. You are prepared. You are not taken by surprise. Therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Next verse. Then look at this. You see that's what he said. Who then is a faithful and ah, everybody say wise. This is wise wisdom. Whom his master made ruler of his house to give him food in that season. Blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find him so doing. That's what I said. He's engrossed so much in the work of God. He wants to. He's like the, he's like this, uh, he's like this pastor, no? He's preparing and preparing and preparing and preparing and preparing and preparing. The word is devouring the word, is studying the word, is meditating upon the word. And he says, Lord, I want to give the best to my congregation. They should be fed well. Studying and studying and studying and studying, studying, sermoning, giving, giving the, giving the study, studying, studying, studying. He's, that is all that is engrossing. Is not, he has no other avocation. He's not distracted by any other thing. And God says, "Blessed is that servant." That's exactly what Paul said, right? Bring back my parchments. He tells Timothy, "Study to show yourself approved unto a God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word, word of truth." And he tells Timothy, bring those parchments. What are you going to do, Paul? I'm going to study till I die. I want to die studying. That means when I enter into his presence, I should be entering into his presence, meditating upon his word. Kya baat hai? Whether absent in the body or, or present in the body, I want to be busy with the work of God in my life. Understood everybody? So are we faithful and wise? Whom his master, who made ruler over his household, to give him food in due season, that we know exactly the season. See, like, for example, no, honestly, we, we are not boasting, okay? We study the word. That's the only thing that we do. And sometimes, I get really uh, frustrated. Lord, I'm being paid for studying your word. I was getting paid for something else. It's fine, I find, find it very ironic sometimes, no? But God says, you do not know which season I'm going to use you. For, for example, pastor called me at 7 in the morning and he said, Vijay, you're preaching. I was preparing for evening. I said, okay, I have time. I've got my thoughts ready and I'm going to prepare my sermon. I'm going to make a PPT and etc. That's what I was pre- being prepared for. No, I was mentally preparing for suddenly he said, no, you're, you're doing it. What, 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 what should I say? I mean, if I'm not faithful to my earthly master, so to speak, that's what he says, right? If you cannot see the brother, who, if you cannot love the brother whom you see, how can you say that you, bro, you love the God whom, that you, whom you do not see? If you cannot be faithful to the master that you appointed you whom you can see, you see that, that should be our aim. You know what is our salary? To the work of God is our salary. Okay, so faithful. Blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will, will find so doing. And let's move on. Assuredly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Kya baat hai? You see, this is what God is going to do. He is going to be, because you are faithful in what I have called you to be. I have called you to be something, just be faithful in that. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and then what does he do? Begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not 
aware of. Look at this. This is very, very important, my dear brothers and sisters. Be engrossed in the work of God. Work of God for your life. You know what the work of God is for you. Let's turn to First uh, Peter chapter 4 and I'll tell you exactly what the work of God is for all of us. And it could be different for different people. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 4 and look at verse, uh, verse 8 onwards, verse 8 to 11. Verse 8 to 11. Above all things have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And then, as each one of you has received a gift, you have received a gift. You will not receive a gift. God has already given you a gift. Minister it to one another. Like, Apu, sister is, we have found a, found a sister who's giving us a spread of our meal these days. Fantastic. That is your gift. Minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, what should he do? Let him speak as the oracles of God. That is, he's talking to all of us. If you are speaking, you are the oracle of God. That means you should speak as of who's speaking? He's, when Vijay speaks, God speaks. That's exactly what happened to Samuel. None of his words fell to the ground. From Dan to Beersheba, everybody knew that he was an appointed man of God. None of, none of his words fell to the ground. Oracle, I mean, when Samuel comes to the, to the town, did you come, everybody's huddled. Everybody's shivering. But did you come in peace? Yes, yes, I've come in, come in peace. Because when the oracle of God comes, they all are shivering. That is the kind of authority he had. And he's telling, if those who speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And we, and we, this is a challenge to all of us who are called into teaching ministry. Are we people who have the confidence that when we speak, we are the oracle of God? Or, do we go when God has sent, I have not spoken to you. That's exactly what the false prophets were. They prophesy. They say, thus says the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken to them. And they steal one from, their words one from another. And we should have that confidence. As servants of God, as, as ministers of the word, boss, and you should pray for your pastors too. Lord, let our pastors be faithful. Let, let there be no error which is coming from the pulpit. It's not a bad prayer to pray. It's, it's a prayer that we all need because we're all vulnerable. We are not exalting ourselves and we are calling ourselves better than the others. No, we are all vulnerable and we are vulnerable to the same kind of passions other people go through. And therefore, we need to be more careful. That is the reason why James will say, not many should be teachers because you will be worthy of tougher judgment and also greater blessing. So, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. And then he says, if anyone ministers or serves, let him do it as with the ability that God supplies. Uh, ESP will says, with the strength that God supplies, so that in all things we may be glorified, God may be glorified. You see, when you are a, a truly an oracle of God, one thing happens, the glory of God comes. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, are we faithful in our calling? That is the third thing look at. Fourth thing. Turn to Second Peter chapter 3 verses 10 to 11. Our technical team is fantastic. They have put a monitor for us. Now we don't have to turn our heads and <laughs> right in front of our eyes. 
I mean, I, I was telling them, I said, the more gadgets you give us, the greater the responsibility because everything is there and if the word is not there, everything falls flat. What's the whole point in having all this? Uh, and there's no, there's no word. That's the problem with so many places. All, they have cranes, they have uh, lighting, they have huge, no word. So I said, Baba, you put all these gadgets around me, I get more tense because I have to be more efficient in my preaching. Okay. So look at what it says. First Peter, second Peter chapter 3 verse 10, 11. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away. Kya baat hai? You know what he, what he has look, he's saying, Peter's saying, just take a good look around. All the things that you love. Favorite holiday destination. Bali. Okay. <laughs> okay. Favorite destination. Favorite place that you want to immigrate to. I don't want to name, name the place because so many people are going to different, different places now. <laughs> Now nobody wants to go anywhere. I don't know. It's very interesting no? how the one virus has. <laughs> In fact, everybody wanted to come back to India. <laughs> oh, that was interesting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Immigration has become uh, really a very interesting thing. <laughs> the diaspora is coming back. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. See, the thing is, look at, look at, take a good look around. Take a good look. You know, one of the favorite destinations for me is Banff National Park. Canada, Alberta. You know, those days, I told Jacinth, you know, two things I'm not going to visit. Niagara without you, Banff without you. So I was stayed in Canada for three and a half years. I could have gone to Niagara, but I never went. But I regret now. <laughs> if you're watching, sweetheart, take it easy, okay? <laughs> you see, <laughs> see, uh, you see, I, I, Niagara, but they say about Niagara, no, it's like one of the incredible sights in the world. The volume of water that falls at once time in a horseshoe is, is a beautiful thing. It's only a description which my friends gave me, you know. I said, I'm going, I'm going later, okay. I didn't tell them. Never came. Banff, take all those, the best places on this world that you want to be. Or maybe, uh, Grand Canyon or whatever. You know what God says? Look at look at all these things around. Everything is going to disappear. Your dream destinations, your dream job, your dream everything. And if you have dreams in this world, kuch nahi hone wala. The heavens are going to go. All the things. It says, heavens will pass away with a noise. You know, it, 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 it says in Isaiah, he's going to roll up the heavens like a scroll. Kya baat hai? Roll up, I mean, I, you know, Isaiah, he understood Einstein's theory of relativity. That we live in a space-time continuum. Without doing all the research, God gave him the revelation. That is better. Which, what do you want? Research or revelation? Ah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I gave up research. Pastor said I gave up research. Revelation. Revelation God gave. I'm going to roll up the heavens like a scroll. Space-time continuum. I'm going to roll it up. Just imagine everything is going to... Fold it and throw it aside. 
about that. No, if, so he's telling us, look at all these things that are on boss. This is going to get destroyed. Elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both earth and the works that are in it. The works that are in it will be burnt up. Boss, let me ask us this question. No? Whatever works that we are doing, wood, hay, stubble or gold, silver and precious stones, what is it? He's asking all of us. What are you investing your life into? Gold, silver or precious stones or wood, hay and stubble? That's exactly what happened to Lot. He had no clue. And there's only one man. And it's amazing, isn't it? It says, can I hide from Abraham? What I'm about to do? Excuse me. So where do we put our hope in? Some, some of you might be saying, Lord, what am I doing in this world, Lord? I'm, I've tried everything. I'm no, there's no success which is coming in your life. I'm telling you something. Thank God. Please. Because I know so many successful people who have left God. And who are so, so many successful people, success is a stumbling block for them to come to God. You know, their riches and their success has become a defense for the gospel. That is the reason why it says, it is so hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, it's amazing. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how, what kind of a miracle you give the rich man that fellow will not come to heaven. That's exactly what the, what the rich fellow says from, from, from hell, right? Please tell, send Lazarus to my brothers. If, please so that they'll not end up in, with me in hell. You know what Jesus, uh, what Abraham says? Oh sorry, God says, they have the law and the prophets. No, 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 no. Uh, if somebody raises from the dead and goes, uh, they will believe. If they have the law and the prophets and they have not believed, even if somebody raises from the dead, they will not. That is a rich man. Problem is that the rich man is like that. No miracle is going to. They are fortified like a, like a fortress they are to the gospel. And you know what? We need to be consider ourselves privileged that somehow we found mercy in the sight of God. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in what? Holy conduct means you have to be as people who, your conduct should be holy. It's just not be pure. Conduct should be like a people who are set apart. If any man cleanses himself, he will be a vessel set apart for what use? For honorable use and godliness. Next verse. Sorry, verse 12. Finally. Therefore, but these like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed speak evil of things they did not even understand. They're made to be caught and destroyed. You can stop there. So, are we prepared? Do we understand that this world is not our permanent place? Our eyes are not here. Our eyes are on God. Turn to Colossians chapter 3 in NIV from verses 1 to 3. 1 to 4. NIV. Okay. Hmm. 
Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Since you have been raised with Christ Jesus, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. He is seated at the third heaven. These heavens, first heaven, second heavens will be rolled up like a scroll and thrown. Like that's exactly what pastor was talking about yesterday. At the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Next. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. When you, when Christ was also, uh, with, with, so let's go to the previous verse. It says, where your hearts and your minds. Ah, uh, the verse one will say, set your hearts on things above and set your minds on things above. Verse two. Heart and mind. Just not your mind, but your heart is, oh, Lamborghini. No. Both your heart and your mind. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. That is what he says. So are we prepared? Are we awake? Do we know that that day is going to come like a thief in the night? Therefore are we prepared? I showed you four parameters at least. So there's so many other things. Let's go back to First Thessalonians now. Chapter 5. Verse 3. <clears throat> Onwards. So for them, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor, labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will, they will not escape, move on. But you brothers are not in darkness. So that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night, but, uh, not, uh, not to the darkness. And next verse. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, slumbering, but let us be alert and self-controlled. You know what? The hallmark of an individual who's prepared, he is self-controlled. There's something in his life. He knows when to say no to things. Could be good things too. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And for those who get drunk, get drunk. He says, we are not of the night. We are of the light. So how do we know that we are of not of the night, but of the light? John's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 18 onwards. <clears throat> whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's only son. One and only son. Verse 19, look at this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men loved. You know what the word love for, for love here is? Agaped. They had unconditional love. For what? For darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The question to all of us is, do we love our sin or do we hate our sin? If you are a person who loves what you are doing, sin, that is, there is no hope for you. That is the reason why for 38 years that fellow is at the pool of Siloam and God has to come and ask him, do you want to be made whole? Or do you like it? Do you like your your bitterness, your anger and your jealousy and you love it? Or do you hate your sin? But men loved darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. But everyone who does evil hates the light. Why? That is the reason they hated Jesus. Like like, like the pastor was telling yesterday, he says, Daniel had 
did not have to do one thing. He just emanated light and people hated him. You know, you don't have to do one thing. People will hate you. And you will wonder, why are they hating me? Why are these people hating? What did I do to them? Why this bitterness and anger? Look at your life. You are so successful in your life. Everything is going well is going well with you. But you hate me. For what reason? What did I do to you? You just have to stand there. You don't have to do one thing. You just have to emanate light. See, that is how you know who are of the light and who are of the night. Those who are of the light, you know what they do? They say, thank you, brother. Confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Excuse me. And verse... Seven onwards. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you know, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Next verse. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. See, this is what we call as a fruit of light. You know, you have more light. Finding out what is acceptable to God. Next verse. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. That is the reason why he says, are you ashamed? Do you, do you have to be ashamed of your, of your, of what God, what you're doing in your life? Or can you bring them to light? But all the things that are exposed made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. My dear brothers and sisters, do you have light? Do you have light about about God? You know, it says in Isaiah, you don't have to turn there. They do these things because they have no light in them. They have no light. That is what I told you, right? Uh, what is the, what 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 is Levi called? The, he's called a priest, right? And what is a priest supposed to have? He is supposed to have two things. What did he supposed to have? He had to have the urim and he had to have the thumim. You know what urim means? As I told you, lights. And thumim means perfections. Urim means he has light about who God is, and he's growing in that. Thumim means to the light that he has got, he has also got obedience, perfection. That is what we call as blamelessness. Today you may not have light in your in certain areas in your life. God is not saying you should be perfect in those things which you do not know. But are you clean in the things that you already know? That is light. We are of light. Do we have light? Are we priests? Do we have light? Do we do we have light about God? Are we ignorant? That is what you know. Light means what? You have Ignore, you are not ignorant. I tell you why this is important, my dear brothers and sisters. Why this is important? Turn to Hebrews now, please. Chapter 6. Verse 4.
For it is impossible for those who are once oh, enlightened. And I have tasted the heavenly. You had light once. You were not ignorant. You were, you, God showed you exactly who he was and what you were in his, and in his sight and he did not condemn you. God did not send his son to condemn the word, but that through him that you should be saved. Don't think that, you know, the ministry of the pulpit is a ministry of condemnation. No, the ministry of the pulpit is a ministry of conviction so that you can set your heart straight with God because he's coming one day. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. And have tasted the good word of the Lord. The powers of the age to come. And then it says, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, it is impossible. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. He says, don't don't ever think, you know, once saved, always saved. Yes, if you continue. That's what he t- Paul tells, you know, in the book of Romans, he says, you were, they were, they were graft, they were, they were cut off because of their unbelief. And you were grafted in because you believed. Take heed and continue. Otherwise you will also be cut off. My God. So we are not saying once saved, always saved, once, once saved. We are, we, I'm not even, I'm just reading those, these two parts of scripture. I'm not even interpreting. I'm just reading it as it is. If I don't continue, therefore, have you cut off? Verse 7. Verse 7. Just go to verse 7. For the, okay, again, uh, for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But, on the other hand, if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed. Whose end is to be born? You're there. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. You know, that's, a, that's the shepherd heart of this author, no? He's speaking like this, but he's saying, no, I hope it's not true in your case. I hope it's not true in your case. And we are confident. Did the Hebrews really take heed? I don't know. Sometimes when you read the book of Hebrews, why do why do people don't want to read the book of Hebrews? Because it talks about all these dangerous things. We conveniently ignore them. My dear brothers, we are light. We are enlightened people. And once we are enlightened, we press on towards perfection. And when we are pressing on, you know what? God is only looking at... He says, if you are willing and obedient, you lead the best of the land. It is God in you who works in you to will and to obey and to do his good pleasure and therefore work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You work out, I will work. Kya baat hai? We are a partnership. But the moment you are cooperative, my goodness, I am more than cooperative. You see, if I have a good student, boy, I'll be so excited. If one student is not even interested in, this fellow is not interested, how should I get rid of him? But if there's a good student, what I, I want to teach him. Or this fellow is responding, I want to teach him more. Don't look at me like that, okay? <laughs> you see that? So let's go back to First Thessalonians now. Verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, drunk in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. What should you do? Protect yourself. Put on the what? Breastplate of faith and love. Both to 
Two things are important. Breastplate of faith and love. If you are in Christ Jesus, circumcision does not matter. Uncircumcision does not matter. What matters? Faith expressing itself through love. That all matters. That is your protection. Not your reputation. Whether you are circumcised or uncircumcised. You are a Baptist or a Pentecostal. Whether you have faith expressing itself to love, is that is your protection. And what, are, what do you have? As a helmet, the hope of salvation. You see our faith, hope and love coming together. Why? Verse 9, he gives us a reason. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. In order to therefore achieve it, verse 11 says something to us. He asks us to do two things. What are the two things? Comfort and edify. Two things we need to continuously do. You know what we are doing? We are comforting. You know what comfort means? Comfort means it does not mean, oh my dear brother, it's okay. That is not comfort. You know what comfort means? Come alongside and fortify. I'll tell you what comfort means. Peter is here, laboring in God's vineyard. All by himself. And he says, Lord, give me somebody to share my burden. And then suddenly, in his ministry, God will raise up somebody who grasps his vision. And he comes alongside Peter and says, Peter, I'm with you. I'm going to work alongside you, with you. You know why? Because we are co-laborers with Christ. Isn't it amazing? That God says, you come alongside with me and you work with me, you comfort me. You come alongside with me and fortify me. That's exactly what they did in Nehemiah's time. Each one, one part of the wall, one person after the other, fortifying one another and building the temple of God and the walls of Jerusalem. This is the time when people come together as a church, grasp the vision of God that God has given for every church, whatever vision that God has given us. For us, he has given us this vision for this for a 2020 vision. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, please. Twenty twenty. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Twenty twenty vision. So they arose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and your and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in your Lord and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall... You know, the word in Telugu is very interesting. The word for prosper, you will pass the exam. That's the word. I'll read you the verse in Telugu, okay? For those people who understand Telugu, I'll, I'll, I'll translate it for you also. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20. When you start falling in love with your own language, it's beautiful. Okay, oh, there is, there is you. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay. You know, this will not pass muster at judgment. You know that phrase, right? What is passing muster at judgment? It will not cut it. <laughs> you know, it's called cut-off mark, no? What is the cut-off mark to get into IIT? 95. 
లేదు యు వాంట్ గెట్ ద కట్ ఆఫ్ మార్క్స్ బిలీవ్ ఇన్ ద లాడ్ బిలీవ్ ఇస్ ప్రాఫిట్స్ యూ నో వాట్ ద ప్రాఫిట్స్ కమ్ అండ్ డూ దే ఫార్టిఫై యూ అండ్ దే ఎడిఫై యూ you know unfortunately there's so many people in the kingdom of god there are only few laborers and lot of eaters consumers who are those people who will fortify my dear brothers and sisters who will come alongside you and work in the ministry of god first thing comfort second edify build build each other up build speak words that's the reason why seek the gift of prophecy you know why because prophecy edifies seek love because love edifies knowledge puffs up love edifies so if you love you know what you'll do first this is what you'll do first corinthians chapter 10 verse 22 and 23 or do we provoke the lord to jealousy are we stronger than he next verse all things are lawful netflix should be lawful for you but at this moment it is not beneficial all things are lawful for me but not all things edify and then for the next verse let no one seek his own but each one seek the others well being things which will edify things which will fortify them things which will edify them two things we are asked to do comfort edify comfort edify comfort edify so how many of you are prepared for the lord's coming <laughs> how many are sober time that we have spent is sufficient first peter chapter 4 sami knows my mind goes verse 1 and 2 therefore since christ suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves with the same mind for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his life in the flesh for the lust of men but for the will of god next verse okay for we have spent enough of our past lifetime till the quarantine has started in india with all kinds of senseless useless activity in doing the will of the gentiles when we walked in lewdness lusts drunkenness revelries drinking parties and abominable idolatries but the next next verse in regard to these things they think it is strange that you should you do, you do not uh, run with them in the same foot of dissipation but they speak evil of you next verse they will they will give an account to him actually verse 8 and 9 actually be sober uh, but the end of all the 7 and 8 but the end of all things is at hand therefore be serious and watchful nkgv says in your sins in your in your prayers uh, esv will say because of your prayers both be serious be sober and watchful this is the exhortation that i want to give you this morning my dear brothers and sisters are you ready can paul be confident that you know perfectly well that that day is going to come as a thief do you know if you know that is that his day is going to come as a thief in the night are we prepared god is giving us opportunities these days 
during these hours and these times when the times are really, really, really <sighs> not conducive for us. Now he has given us this time as a church in his mercy to be able to listen to his word. Therefore, let us prepare ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we just commit ourselves once again to your hands. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you will continue to, Father, burn your word in our hearts. Burn, continue to burn your word into the deepmost parts of our inner man. And that it will become a part of us, Lord. That, Lord, you said in your word that we in the new covenant, Lord, that you would write your law on the tables of our heart. Not we are, we are, we are, we are ministers not of the letter but of the spirit. But Lord, I pray Lord Jesus that you would write your law by your spirit on the tables of our heart and of our, upon our mind and cause us to walk in your ways. To that end I pray Lord Jesus even as we meditate upon your word by faith, O oh Lord, that you would fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power, with the power of your Holy Spirit. That we will not just be hearers but doers, and Lord, that you would, Lord, empower us in the days to come to walk with you, blameless and upright, without spot, without wrinkle. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.